Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great. Yeah. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Grab life big. All right, GoBros, let's step into the GoBro room for some brutal authenticity with brother Bruce Peterson. Bruce, welcome to the GoBundance podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me, Pat. Hey, Bruce, why don't we start out by you giving a five-minute version of your life from the day you were born till today? Yeah, that's always fun, trying to get it into five minutes. But uh, So I was born in North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina, Duke Hospital. Lived there for about six months of my life. It's a military brat, so we moved to Colleen uh, in Texas. Uh, lived there till about four or five years old. Moved from there in the military family to Germany. Was there for four years. Moved to Corpus Christi in 1978, where I kind of grew up. Basically, that's where I graduated high school. Got out of high school. You know, did what I was supposed to do. Don't know why I went to college. You know, because that's what you're supposed to do. So I went to college. I was horrible. I barely got out of high school. Uh, so I ended up being a college dropout because I got a job as a uh, stockbroker, which my degree plan was going to be in finance. So I thought, you know, I'm brilliant. I don't need this school thing. So I became a stockbroker, uh, did that until we went to war in 91. I think it was Desert Storm. Market seized up. I'm a stupid 23-year-old kid, not saving any of my money. So I started going hungry after a while. So <laughs> I fell out of that. And I became a $5 an hour, 20 hour a week drive through bank teller. So that sucked. <laughs> did that for a little while until I had a buddy call me. He said, hey, dude, I know you're not happy where you are. You're not making much money. I can get you out of that. I can rescue you. I was like, oh, great. What do you have? Well, his idea of rescuing me was retail. So I fell into retail for 18 years. Retired myself at 43 from retail. I had the stockbroker background, so I knew how to save my money, invest my money wisely. I was an Dave Ramsey guy back then, so I was living on less than 2000 bucks a month. So 43 years old, um, working for Big Spots retailers as uh, store managers for those guys, and I hit a wall. I was working 100 to 110 hour weeks toward the end, and I just hit a wall. So I just kind of dropped my keys on my boss's desk, packed up all my shit, put it in the storage unit, and drove around the eastern half of the US for 30, 35 days just trying to figure it all out. Um, Got back, decided, okay, I'm a grown-up now that's retired. I got to figure out what's going on with my life now. It's like <laughs> called a friend. Second puberty, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm single. I've never been married at that point. Don't have any kids. And uh, I got all kinds of free time. So I called a buddy and said, hey, dude, let's go play golf. He's like, man, I can't. I got to go to work. I'm like, oh, shit. I got 50 years of this. What the hell am I going to do? So wait a minute. So I'm just curious. So yeah. you drove around for over a month. 
by yourself. Yep. That's fascinating, right? At 43 years old, like, like what was your purpose other than driving or was that your purpose, driving and finding places to stay? What did you do? Well, I'm a sports fanatic. So really the only things that I had pre-planned, I had the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame, and then I did make reservations in a uh, B&B one night in uh, Montreal. Other than that, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I just bounced around. That was the plan, just to get out, clear my head. 110 hour weeks will drive your ass into and the then, ground. And then emotionally. you just drove and did you like reach out to people and say, hey dude, um, you know, I'm cruising through the state of West Virginia. Are you, you know, are you around? Or I mean, what? Like, yeah, that's what I did. When I came through places where I knew people, I would do that. But uh, aside from that, it was 2007 and 8, uh, January of 2008. So what I would do, I would I bought a laptop and I would drive around, get to a town, thought, oh, this looks like a cool place. So I pull into the parking lot of a hotel, jump on their free Wi-Fi, go to hotels.com, find a place for the night, drive to that, and get up the next morning to do it again. I, you know, hang out at some of the local bars, some of the local mom and pop restaurants, just talking to people, meeting people, just trying to decompress my ass is what it was. See, this is fascinating to me because, you know, what, one of my goals for next year, I'm, I'm 51, and one of my goals for next year is to, it was actually a goal for this year, but it didn't happen, so is to take a vacation by myself because I've never, the only vacation I've ever been alone on is if it's like a business deal, right, where like, you know, I'm doing some shit for business and, you know, I'm working, so... Right seminars or go abundance thing or whatever. I've never like been by myself other than with family or whatever. So I said, you know, I really want to do that. And just the other night when we just had some flooding here in South Carolina and I was uh, late and sticking around on the computer, I went to Airbnb and I'm like, I've never been to Nova Scotia, Prince William Island, that sort of thing. I think I want to go check that out. And my wife has no interest whatsoever in doing it. I said, I could go there for 10 days and just dick around. I started looking on Airbnb and it's kind of cool. It's like, hey, here's a, here's a lighthouse you can stay in. Oh, wow. a, a guy bought a jail and you can stay in a room in, in this jail that he bought. Uh, the one guy had a tree house and you could stay in a tree house in his backyard. And I said, you know, here's a, here's a, a fucking idea rather than like, wondering what I'm going to do when I get to Nova Scotia by myself. I can start out by just having like cool places to sleep on Airbnb. And that's an adventure in itself. Oh yeah, dude. And I'm telling you, it's cathartic as hell. You just got tons of time alone with your thoughts. I was brain, you know, I just got out of working for somebody else for 20 plus years. And so I had time to brainstorm on business ideas. Now I've ended up in real estate, but you know, business ideas, <laughs> thoughts, you know, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? So dude, it was great. All right, so then, so you got back after this, you know, thing and uh, whatever you want to call it, and then, then what happened? So I get back, and again, you know, my friend said I got to go to work. I was like, oh crap! So I started looking around for what am I going to do? All kinds of different business ideas, and I thought, you know, I've always heard about real estate. Apparently, it's a big deal, but I don't really know anybody doing it. So I tried to find a mentor. None of my friends that were realtors really could help help me out with. I'll pay somebody to teach me how to invest. Well, none of them knew how to invest. They didn't know anybody that did. They sell retail houses. So I did a Google search, found an organization that their whole reason for being is to teach you how to invest in rental properties. And so I went and took their courses and, uh, you know, it's, it's been the best professional thing I've ever done in my life. The most productive, 
profitable. It's actually the easiest. It's a lot of work, but it's the easiest thing I've ever done too. So I found real estate in 2011, started my education, bought my first apartment complex at a 48 unit in Austin, Texas in 2012, sold it two years and four months later for a 300% profit. Jesus. And since, you know, I've done multiple deals. I'm doing two, 300 unit properties every time now, all in central Texas. I'm a syndicator. And again, you know, I met my wife through real estate, which was really cool. Um, she's a real estate CPA. Um, so we are equally involved in the business. We own our own management company. Uh, I've got the asset manager on my end and that's just all we do now. And, and how many units do you have? Do you own? We will close on roughly a 300 unit property in about a week and a half and we'll be almost 900 units. We'll be at 860 and we have an interest in a 250 unit property in Bryan. So a little, roughly 1100 units altogether. Wait a minute. Let me, let me back this up. Okay. So you say you will close. Who is that? You and your syndicated partners or you and your wife or what are you talking about there? Yeah, so we're a syndication. So we've got, uh, it's a $42 million portfolio. This is the second property of that portfolio. Got it. In this portfolio, we have 93 investors with us, believe it or not. Um, but we're the operating partners. We're the syndicators. So we're the ones that do all the work. So yeah, my wife and I will close. We've already gone down to sign the closing docs. So it will fund on the 20th and the, or the 21st of September. Okay. All right, so you'll have 1,100 units, all with, all under syndication, all multifamily, all in Texas. That's correct. Okay. What part of Texas are you in? I've got two properties in Austin, two properties in San Antonio, and the one that I said I have an interest in, you know, we're a, kind of a, a non-operating partner there. It's 248 units in Bryan, Texas, right outside of College Station. Got it. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So y- you went from flipping essentially a 48 unit into becoming a syndicator and collecting other people's money uh, to invest in 1,100 units in a pretty short period of time. What was that transition like? Well, no, I've, I've syndicated every single deal I've ever done. And that first one turned out to be a flip, but it was bought as a stabilized asset. But of course, the Austin market happened to us. So I was like, hell, let me sell now before I you know, get caught in a down market. We left a lot of money on the table, but it was the right move at the time. But yeah, we've syndicated everything we've ever done. Okay. So what do you think of the market right now today? It's hot. You know, I don't want to say it's overheated because I'm still able to source six cap deals, which in today's interest rate uh, environment, I'm still able to get, you know, eight to nine, 10% returns for my silent, my passive investors. Eight to nine percent cash on cash? Absolutely. And that's enough for them? Yeah, it is. You know, in fact, I presented at the Go, uh, the Go Abundance Tribal Gathering in Austin. And I asked everybody when I did my presentation, I said, okay, these are the, deal, the numbers that I showed my investors on this property. What do you guys think of these kinds of returns? And, you know, most of them said, yeah, I, we're fine with a, a 7, 8, 9% return. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty easy sell in today's market. Yeah, and that's the cash, that's a cash on cash. And I guess your internal rate of returns are just estimated. Well, of course, they're estimated, but they're usually going to be in between 20 and 30% because I don't do all the creative deal structure of um, waterfalls and all that stuff. I keep it very, very, very simple for my passive investors. So they share in a lot of the back end with us. What do you, what do you take? 
we take anywhere from a like an 80-20 split to a 70-30 split. On some of them, if, it, if the deal requires it, I'll go to an 85-15 if I have to. Okay. And uh, I mean, that's uh, obviously extremely fair at 85-15. Do you manage them? Yep. We have our own management company. We self-manage everything. So do you make more money on your 20, 25%, do you think, or more money on your management company? Management company without question. It's about 60% of our income. So yeah, that's a big deal. It's a lot of work. That's the majority of the work, but you know, it's rewarding. I love running businesses. I love working with staff, being a leader to the organization. So I don't ever want to give that up. And again, it's such a big part of our, uh, of our income stream. So for every unit that I own, on average, I make about 50 bucks a unit throughout Central Texas. My distributions, my share of distributions, I make anywhere from 20 to $35 a unit. So per, you know, a, a unit per month? or Per month, yeah. Gross. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there's a lot more money in and then, then you got to pay expenses of the company and all that, right? Exactly. But you know, we're very involved. I Because we don't have the scale. I want 1,500 to 2,000 units before I start bringing in lots of people into the management company. Right now, we have an ops director. I work in the role of regional manager and CEO, and my wife is the controller, CFO. So we're very involved in it. Now, on our next property, once we close, we'll bring in a full-time bookkeeper. So that's, that's kind of like your vertical income. What's that? That's your vertical income is your working in the management company. Right. And that's 3% of gross collections on an annual, on a monthly basis. Uh, yeah, that's our vertical. So, okay. So let's get into that. So what, what is your horizontal income currently? Horizontal income currently is about 310,000 a year, but in a week and a half, once we close on that next property, it's going to go up to about 440. Okay. And what is your vertical income currently? Vertical income currently is right at, uh, I, I had it and I just put it away. Let me pull it up again. Uh, 18 times 860 times 12. It's about 200,000. 200,000, what you net from the management company. Well, and our, our distributions from cash flow also. Right. And, but your distributions, that would be horizontal. Well, oh, yeah. Dis distributions. Oh, I see. Di right. Distributions from your management company. Profits from your management company. I got it. Right? Right. Exactly. Okay. And so what is your, uh, what percentage are you? 125. Nice. And uh, what's your LTI, your left to invest? Left to invest is about 365 because we make about, once we close on this next property, our annual income will go to between six and 700,000 uh, all together and we'll be left with about 365 a year to invest. All right. What's your LHI, your life happiness index? 6.22. 6.22. All right. What the, what's, what's bringing that down? I'm very, very, very business oriented and structured and centric and all that stuff. So I struggle with balance in my life, uh, especially when it comes to the family. That's the biggest thing that's kind of pulling it down right now. And your family consists of what? Uh, my wife. I married her three years ago, almost to the day. And I have a daughter and a stepdaughter. Awesome. How old? Stepdaughter is 21 years old and the daughter is 18. Okay. The 18-year-old daughter, if you're doing the math based on what I said earlier, I adopted my wife's youngest daughter uh, about two and a half years ago. Oh, I see. So she was 14 or something when you met or whatever. and then Yeah, she was 15. And then you adopted her. Correct. She asked me to adopt her on a vacation. And of course, how are you going to say no to that? 
Right. Never happened. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. That's awesome. All right. What about your giving ratio? You giving money back to anything there in Texas or surrounding areas? Yeah, absolutely. It's somewhere between five and 6%, but we've got some stuff we're going to start working on very quickly. And uh, we hope to have that to up to 10 to 20% very soon. Wow. 20% would be huge, especially if you're making 600,000, that'd be, that'd be a hundred over a hundred grand a year. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about, okay, you got, you got an 18, a 21 year old, you got a wife. What are you going to do about not being the the best patriarch or, or husband or father and stepfather? What, what? Well, that was part of the, uh, the, re, the uh, summer bash that we had. That was some of the role playing and the uh, masterminding that we did that, you know, it, it comes down to, I've got to let business go. I've got to shut it down at four five, six o'clock and then just leave it alone. Don't focus on it. You know, get out and do more stuff. Now, my wife is a CPA. She does a lot of the stuff for our businesses. So she's equally as busy, but we're committing to each other that we're going to spend more time together. We're going to travel together more. We're going to just go hiking locally together more. Mm. It's just be more, more aware of the others in my life and uh, being, being more present because, you know, I might be in the same room with my wife watching a movie or doing something, but you know, my brain's always working on business. So I'm there, but I'm not really present. So, you know, I'm committing to be more present and, you know, keep off the phone, keep out of my office, all that stuff. It's hard to do, but you know, there's disciplines that you can, you know, I think it's hard to do for all of us, right? I mean, every entrepreneur is guilty of the same problem. So, you know, you're not certainly not alone and, you know, if there's anything we can do as brothers to support you in that, please, uh, you know, reach out. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And that's really the big, you know, I want everything that GoBundance has to offer, but that was the biggest thing that I needed help with and I was really looking forward to, you know, bouncing things off people's heads. And again, we got into some, some depth at, this, uh, at the tribal gathering, so it was really cool. So what brings you joy? <laughs> Honestly, business. But then aside from the callous, the cold-hearted business side of it, I just like spending time with the family. One of the best things that we do is uh, on weekends, we try to get together as a family and cook a meal together. At least at least on Sundays, uh, Saturdays if we can, but nothing better than everybody prepping a meal together. I'll be out on, in the backyard on the grill, but everybody's contributing, laughing, having a good time. That, that's the cool stuff for me. That's awesome. How about your health? How's your health? Well, you know, about six years ago, I was diagnosed with a, a schwannoma, which is a, a tumor in my spine. Jesus. Um, schwannoma? Yes. Yeah. Never even heard of it. Yeah, it, it, it was lodged on my, uh, in my spinal column and it was pressing against the nerve. So it was crippling. Uh, you know, every time I'd sneeze or cough, I'd fall to the ground in tears. Oh my God. So, you Came know, out of nowhere? Yeah, it did. So I went and had it looked at and it took them a while to find it. And they told me what it was. I said, look, it, we got to take it out. Whether it's benign or cancerous, doesn't matter. If, even if it's not cancerous, if we don't take it out, it will keep growing and it will eventually paralyze you. It's like, okay, okay, no question. Of it's course, benign. yeah, man, you're in pain. Exactly. So <laughs> it was benign, so that was good. But, you know, so they had to cut through two layers of muscle in my back, cut a chunk out of my spine, pull the, the tumor out, and then put the piece back in and screw it back in and then sew me back up. So continual pain. But, you know, it's not a big deal. They told me that would happen. I'd recover fully, but I'd always have pain. But so what we do a lot now 
is uh, we water ski some. Uh, we do a lot of hiking, a lot of walking through the neighborhood. So my health, it could be better. I'm five foot nine, 180 pounds. So I'm working to get back down to 165, 175. So we're in that area. Yeah. Well, that's like me. I'm 5'10 and I'm 181. Yoga, man. What about yoga? You tried yoga? Well, my wife and daughter do it. I haven't. I don't know. It just feels strange. I don't know why it does, but you know, I'm, I'm the guy I work with a personal trainer. I haven't done it in a while. I've been out of that for about a year, year and a half, but you know, I was always lifting and you know, the whole yoga thing, if nothing else, it's just intimidating. That's really all it it's is. Tough, man. I need I, to try it. I took Saul Z. Saul Z, one of the Go Abundance members, uh, was visiting Charleston and he's like, Hey, you want to grab breakfast? I was like, dude, I'm taking yoga tomorrow at eight o'clock. This Charleston power core yoga. It's like the hardest uh, yoga you'll find bar none. And uh, he, <laughs> he's like, all right. He's like, no problem. I took him there, man. After half an hour, he was wiped out. He was like laying <laughs> flat on. He looked like that guy on the Febreze commercial where his cheek is like sideways on the floor and he's smelling the carpet. He was That's hilarious. It It looks tough. I I don't, you know, downplay that at all. It looks tough as hell. (laughs) All right, cool. So, um, like, what are you eating? What's, what's, what are your, what's your normal diet? I try to be paleo. My wife is vegan, uh, newly turned vegan. Um, but, uh, I try to be paleo as much as I can. I don't go vegan. I go vegetarian some. My weakness is, you know, I like a cocktail. I like a, a good, uh, porter or a stout. Um, but, I'm hooked on ice cream, so it's it's tough, you know, trying to kick the ice cream habit. Nighttime. That's exactly what it is. Just go to bed at eight, you'd be fine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think that would be mine too, you know. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. It all goes uh, up until about four. I probably have very little calories, but then at night, you know, over portion. You tend to drink, you know. You tend to get, you know. I just get hungry at night too. Sometimes, I mean, yeah. But it is what it yeah, is. The life has started, you know, the, the very rigid thing of not eating past seven, and I'm trying to follow her on that. And the days that I do that, I do fantastically well. It's the days that I slip and do eat or have a, a beer after seven o'clock that I really notice I start putting weight on again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, compound effect. Yeah, I'm 49. It's always a battle. <laughs> yeah, that's that not going to change. Yeah. <laughs> it gets uh, worse, I know. So um, let's talk about your bucket list. Uh, what what do you got on your bucket list item? What do you got for your like top five bucket list items? I struggle with the number five, to be honest. But uh, number one, uh, my wife and I both turn 50 next year. So we're going to go to Italy for two or three weeks. So just dying for that. That's going to be a blast. We want to go to Belize or Bali. That's always been a bucket list item for my wife. We want to go to Nashville here locally. And the number four, I mean, this might sound cheesy as part of the, the entrepreneurial brain, but my wife is on that track with me too. But we want to go to some Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. I know he offers some marketing boot camps up in his New York office. So I want to go to something like that with him. And that's my stuff. All right. And so let's talk about the past here. You know, every, every rock star has a greatest hits album. If I was going to give Bruce Peterson's greatest hits... What five songs would be on there? All right. As cheesy as it sounds, you know, I did marry my best friend. It took uh, until 45 years old to find her, but I did. And I married my best friend. I adopted her daughter um, at her request. So that was another huge moment in my life. Um, The one month drive about that I talked about in the, uh, across the Eastern half of the U S that was a blast. 
the family two years ago, we went to Spain and Morocco. Uh, my brother is a, a naval captain. And I don't know if you remember, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, there was an incident with one of our destroyers that uh, got buzzed by the Russian, uh, by a Russian fighter jet. Well, that was my brother's ship. And he was the one doing all the interviews on CNN and all that stuff. So it was time for him for his change of command. He was coming back stateside. So we went out there to see that. And we took a day trip into Morocco, rode some camels, had a blast doing that. And then one of the coolest things I've ever done, honestly, uh, I think it was 2003, I got the chance to play Santa Claus for an orphanage in McAllen. And that was just, that's heartbreaking. You know, you cry after you're done, just, but it's just the most rewarding thing I've probably ever done. You should do that every year for like two weeks. I mean, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Like if you got that much fulfillment out of one day. Oh my God, that's amazing. You you're right. And I do need to do it more. McCallum, is that like in Texas? McCallum, Texas. Yeah, it's in South Texas. It's a border town. I, I was down there with work and uh, an opportunity arose to go be Santa Claus. So I jumped at it. I didn't even know they had orphanages still. Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe they don't call them that. I don't know, but that's what it was. It's just a bunch of you know children that didn't have parents. I guess you still call it an orphanage, but I guess you know. Yeah. I always thought that people, yeah, because I because I guess I, maybe it, maybe it changes from maybe it's a Texas thing, maybe or it changes from state to state. Because I think a lot of people just have a foster care. You know what I mean? Like the kid goes into foster care. Yeah, but what if it's a kid that can't get placed into foster care? Because I don't know much about it, but I don't think all of them do get placed. And a lot of them that get placed get placed in very crazy abusive situations. People looking for a cash grab and they just treat the kids like shit. Yeah, so. oh, that's, it's, it's rampant, man. Yeah, it is. But um, that book, I don't know if you ever read that book called A Child Called It. No. Like, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great book to read, but like you'll, you won't sleep. At night, you read it. You can read it in a day, but you won't sleep. It's like, oh, geez. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I'm an emotional dude. Yeah, it's about the foster care system. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up with this question. You've heard it because you've been listening to our other members, which thank you for doing. I know that's a great way to get to know uh, your fellow members is this podcast, and we're getting more and more listeners. So thanks for that. And so. Uh, let me hit you with this. I'm going to just be quiet afterwards, and you are answering it in the kind of the first person. You're not talking to me. You're talking to whoever you're role-playing this on. So you're on a plane, and it's crashing, and uh, you have one minute to call somebody. Go. All right. So I would try not to tear up on this, but it would be to my wife, Stephanie. And, and what I would say is I'm sorry that I haven't been the most available husband and partner I could have been and that you need to know that I do love you, my best friend, more than I was ever able to express. You're a very special person and the greatest bomb the girls could ever hope for and ask for. Keep strong for yourself and the girls. You're ready and capable to handle any and everything that comes your way. Always believe in yourself and don't be afraid to ask for help. You've been the best partner and the best friend to me. And I'm so grateful for having found you, even though it took 45 years to do it. That's pretty much it. That's awesome, Bruce. Well, that's, uh, that's a great way to end this, man. You've, you've uh, definitely uh, you got a heart of gold, I can tell. And I hope that uh, she listens to this. So uh, 
thanks for coming on and being so authentic. And uh, I look forward to meeting you face to face in Steamboat and uh, we'll break some bread together. Yeah, I'll have the family out there with me. So thanks so much for having me on, Pat. I really, really appreciate it. Grab life big.